0: Countercharge, I'm Crazy Bobby! No?
1: Is that the wrong one? Okay. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Rob Berman. I'm Alex Coos.
2: And I'm Steve Hildrew. Welcome to CounterCharge, and we are here for a very special episode, a catch-up with everyone's favourite goblin fanatic and the most important person who's ever worked at Mantic Games, Mr Sir Rob Berman. Rob, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. That is all factually correct as well.
2: Absolutely correct. You, you paid no attention to what the, those other people said. You know, they're not. Matt, Matt Gilbert was saying all sorts of slanderous things in that like, Armada episode. I don't know if you heard it.
1: Oh, no, I don't I don't listen to it when Matt's on. Unless I'm, strig- <laughs> unless I'm struggling to fall asleep and then I put it on.
3: <laughs> That's kind of how we feel about the Matt and Countercharge, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good God. It goes on and on.
3: Anyway, how the
2: devil are you? When was the last time you were on Countercharge? It's been a while.
1: Oh, my goodness. The last time I was on, I think it was with Matt, actually. It was, God, was it for? No, it wasn't for the summer campaign. I must have been on after that. But quite a while ago, actually. And they never let me talk to anyone, that's why.
2: Yeah. Well, you talk to every other bloody podcast. I know. Well, it's because
1: normally uh... I've been, it's because, you know, I'm I'm shunted to the world of Dead Zone and Dreadball now.
2: <laughs> That's what it is, yeah.
1: They don't let me deal with the important things.
2: Yeah, the only game that counts, uh, Dead Zone, <laughs> as uh, Ian Davis has told me.
1: Hashtag Dead
2: Zone is life. Well, something like that. I don't know. He's just got some nonsense catchphrase. He's trying to make it catch on. I don't think it ever will. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're, we're, uh, as is traditional with an episode of Counter Charge, we start with a little uh, hobby catch-up. So, Rob, what, what, have you been, what have you been up to? And very importantly, if you're listening, please take a shot. Every time Rob says the word goblins, continue.
1: So I've actually been not painting any goblins this week i've been finishing some dead zone stuff but but i will say that i have got two hordes of spitters uh so goblins again uh, that i do need to finish off because um I, I don't feel like i've painted quite enough goblins over the past few months i think somewhere around 200 goblins this year i've painted
2: is that all that feels very amateur hour
1: yeah i mean there's there's a rookie numbers so that's and that's all the new ones as well pretty much well actually you know and some flea bags as well so i wouldn't mind doing another i really enjoyed doing the regiment of flea bags and mixing in some of the uh the new like, arms and the heads from the from the new hard plastics which then and they adds a lot of character to them so i think probably that's what i'll end up doing next maybe amongst many other things probably
2: oh scraping the mold lines off them teeth that's not an enjoyable experience but as the models they're lovely
1: that their flea bags? Mm. Yeah, I think actually, I think a good tip, actually.
2: Okay, I'm ready for this tip, although I have made all my flea bags, but carry on.
1: For some of the PVCs, what I tend to do, rather than scrape them off, if you get like a wire brush, and sometimes if you, it sounds a bit odd, but if you kind of rub the wire brush quite quickly over them, it takes off some of the mould lines, rather than kind of having to scrape them. I found Ooh. that is often more effective. Oh, little handy hmm. tip. Yeah. That yeah, so, would kinda of
3: help with the, the teeth and fur ones as well, probably.
1: Yeah, yeah, it kind of I, I, I can't remember who told me uh, someone told me that and I was a bit skeptical. I thought, oh, what are you talking about? That sounds like nonsense. But actually, it does work, so I've done that with a lot of my dead zone ones as well. And I think you have to get the a certain grade of wire brush, don't know, just get you know, don't get the one from your garden with all the mud on and things like that you can do them with the fence. Kind of get some hobby wire brushes and, and use those. So Obviously, I can't be able responsible if it just wipes off all the detail from the miniatures, but the ones that I've had have been good.
2: That's right. So ruin your miniatures and then write to Rob <laughs> at Mantic Games for your free
1: flea bags. Excellent. Yeah, yeah sure.
2: That, that, that's how it works. Excellent. Have you been there doing any Armada painting or anything like that, or?
1: Um, so we're just waiting to get our staff uh, fleets because we'll be doing a bit like we did the Road to Third Edition. The plan is that a few of us will do staff uh, fleets for that one, so we'll be doing uh, Road to Armada. And I guess you can't—I bet you won't be able to guess what faction I've gone for for that one.
2: It, well, it, well, I know reliably that there is no goblin fleet, so I'm guessing orcs.
1: Yes, it's the closest—they're they're like the stupid, bigger greenskins, basically.
2: All right, yeah, not as good. I think of them as no. not as good goblins.
1: They're just yeah, there's yeah, fat goblins. <laughs> fat goblins.
2: <laughs> That's trolls in it. Fat goblins is trolls. Stupid goblins
1: is orcs. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go for that. I'm sure Matt James will enjoy that as well because he, I think he often talks to me on private chat actually, saying how he wishes he could just get rid of his orcs and, and play as goblins because he's he's realised he's he's been wrong all this time.
2: Yeah, no, he just um, Matt James is full of uh, as we know um, pomp and uh, circumstance. Just says things just for the effect, frankly. Yeah. Half the rules in Kings of War are just there just to amuse him, I think. <laughs> Half, huh. it's all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly onwards. It's a welcome return to the show. He's had a little bit of a, a summer break to install a, a, a new jacuzzi swimming pool in his house. But Alex, welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. It's really good to hear you back. The Voice of Canada is here. What have you been up to, my friend?
3: Taken a, I took a little bit of a break from the hobby, more or less. I, I did a little bit of work on my continuing undead, but not too much. And then uh, a lot of work on the house. So just a few repairs of the bathroom and basement and all sorts of wonderful things that had come up with a hundred year old home. So that was delightful. Taking advantage of the good weather, but yeah, working on organizing my space so that when I do come back to hobbying, which I have recently is a little more, you know, organized and not quite to uh, Rob for enough standards, but, uh, there's only like two or three layers of things on my hobby desk now. And there's. The shelves are mostly organized, and our local group has kind of started to toy with the idea of playing Infinity again, which was something we started playing like four years ago and kind of back, put it on the back burner. So a little bit of undead stuff now. Probably gonna start working on that a little bit more.
2: Have you finished drying your tears from the, uh, you know, the the painful, you know, far
3: away shaking? It is. It was unfortunate, but it was like I I've been saying from the beginning that it kind of felt like we were playing with a hundred extra points <laughs> <laughs> for this edition. So I, I knew it was coming. I it did it did sap a little bit of the motivation to to get the army like really finished by the end of summer, which was kind of a goal. But uh, I think you know it it is what it is and going to keep going. I'm not painting the army because of necessarily just the rules you know it was nice to have a powerful army but i like the models and miniatures that i'm working on so that's kind of the, the first rule for me if i'm going to paint something i have to like, like the way it looks so i still like the way it looks and i'm just going to keep on plugging away and now that we kind of can play in person more or less although that could be going away soon you know that helps get a little bit more motivation going too and then uh, there was a Steve Forster had his uh, online UB tournament, always setting in Panther, which kept my toe in the the hobby world while playing in that, which was fun. Tested out a Varinger list as opposed to Undead, so that went and that went pretty well. But other than that, kind of just just now, just this last week, kind of getting back into the hobbying groove, spending some time every other day or so, getting stuff done.
2: I no, see. I don't think of you as an undead player at all. Although, obviously, you have gone to easy mode recently. I just think of you. You're the archetypal Ratkin player. You were Ratkin all of second edition,
3: right? Yes. Yeah. I had. I played rats probably a year after Uncharted Empires came out. I started playing rats, and I have about. I think I have about 5,000 points painted, which is kind of like where. Like, I have a few things left. I, I think you know. Michael Piercy has convinced me that I should probably paint my scurriers. And I do have a second mutant rat fiend that I'd want. To, I want to finish up at some point. But yeah, they're they're like a mostly complete army for me now. Like I have two of two or three of most units. So or eight if it's warriors.
2: Yeah. Did you see the new mutant rat fiend? The the render that was posted.
3: Yeah. That's the the mouthy rat fiend. The
2: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> mouthy. Yes. face. Yeah. That's the thing. Like now there's even more recon- rat out there. So it's like well, it's kind of like do you want to start another one? And I'm like, yes.
2: <laughs>
3: Correct concept. <laughs>
2: that's the thing. That's the thing. When I look at my shelf of rats and I'm like that, Oh, I, I'll just paint some more. That's fine. Just could always do it some more.
3: Well, that's the thing Like at the, I think it was cock 19 came out and yeah. The, well, the last one for fourth. And I was like, well, I have like 25, 3000 points painted. I'll just use what I have. And they're like, no, I'll paint an entirely new rat army for this edition, or for this year. <laughs> and so I think you know a yearly rat army is not a bad goal. <laughs> wow,
1: that puts me to shame with my goblins. That's amazing. Exactly, he's obsessive.
2: It's the brown that gets to me, but I've discovered that um, grunt gr- was it gore grunter fur. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. that's just it's just a dream. It makes rat fur just just not be a worry anymore.
3: I think I have. Of six shades of Vallejo brown that I just kind of go through. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's
3: just like the grey and brown wave of things.
2: Very good, very good. As for me, um, I've been, I'm still in a little bit of a hobby slump. I finished my, my tree herder, which I was, uh, I, I I got to a point when it looked horrible, and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. So I posted on the the Green Lady forum uh, group on Facebook, and um, I was some very good advice. So he he looks all right now. I finished him. And then I've just been doing some nightmares for uh, for my uh, uh, rats. Um, and they're just very, I'm finding it very hard going to finish them off. It turns out that the, the nightmare models, because um, they're covered in tiny, tiny little studs. And I thought, oh, I'll just do some of these studs in silver. And then I realized that each model has about 42 studs on them. And I'm sitting there, my, you know, you're like, you have like a 00, zero brush or a 00, zero, zero brush, a tiny, tiny brush. I haven't got new ones because I wanted to go to a shop. Because, you know, if you order them online, you never know if you get one that's duff. Like with yep. a, So you have to kind of go and get one. But there's no shops near me, really. The nearest one's like 40, 50 minutes away. So I have managed to get a new fine brush. So I'm trying to do it with this knackered old brush. And it's all a bit wearing. So I've, instead of that, I've been... Um, my daughter's gone to university, and so we've um, reorganized all the room. <laughs> as soon as she's left the house, my, my my son, my middle son, has claimed her room so we chucked her into the spare room and I've claimed his room as my office. which so I'm sitting in now. So I've been uh, redeveloping the office that I'm sitting in now. I've, you know, I've built a desk, feel very manly, which is very alien to anyone that knows me because I'm the least manly human alive.
1: Was it flat back?
2: No, no, it's not. So I, wow. he, he had um, <laughs> he had like a cabin bed. Right. But he's 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 14 this week. And so he's like, I'm too grown up for a cabin bed now. So I dismantled the cabin bed and I, I carved it up and I've turned it into a desk. Huh? That's impressive. That's yeah. I, yeah I, I think so too. And then um so that's got all my stuff on it and then I I bought some shelves to put all my armies on, so it's nice to have my armies next to me. And then I the the shelves that I bought are hysterically too small for the amount of features <laughs> that I've got. So I bought like no, they weren't like cheap. I went to Argos. Um you know, to get some proper shit. Argos is like a catalogue shop. I don't know if you've got it in Canada. Kind of
1: oh, well, the catalogue shops are available. Mm, probably. Is that that's like a is that like
3: a I guess like a department store kind of thing? Or, it's literally
2: or like a Ikea? It just has like a terminal and then a counter. That's all it has.
3: It's
1: like the internet before the internet.
3: Okay. okay. Yeah, we yeah. used to have, like the department stores used to have things like that in small towns, like where I grew up, where you just have like a counter with like, and they would ship yeah. stuff to the counter and you'd pick
1: so it, instead of it up. there's a computer, you use a catalogue. Well, yes. Know, it. And so <laughs> yeah. you'd go and look at the catalogue, oh. press the yeah, number so in, It's like going and then back then to the 80s. That's right. Yeah. And we're still there. That's, yes. the, that's the peak of our shopping experience in the UK.
2: So I bought them anyway, but they've got like four shelves, like decent sized shelves. And I started to fill them up. And I realised about three quarters of the way through there was, you know, I hadn't even got a quarter of my armies on them. And I realised I have too many miniatures. So I now have to go and buy some more shelves to fit my miniatures on. And most of them are rats, which is... anyway. So that's what I've been doing. But I've been playing. I've been playing some Kings of War, which is extremely weird. In in um, given that I live in plague central Britain, yeah. being the Midlands, although that's Liverpool now is now worst plague central. But um, the rules are that you can't go into other people's houses, but you can go to gaming clubs as long as there's social distancing and no more than six people. So the local club that I go to, which is uh, Road Traders, shout out Road Traders, mostly 40k, um, but there's three of us play there, and um, I've been getting some games in there. And I went to my friend's shop to play him, so that was really good. And I got invited by Ian Davis uh, of the now deceased Frantic Gamers, because Ben killed it, uh, he said, do you want to come and see the new Sanctuary? So Sanctuary is like a gaming venue that we had masters at this year, which was horrible. It was like an old church and it was... Ashfield, play... right? Yeah, so yeah, 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 Ashfield in, yeah, yeah. And it's, it was freezing, like so cold, you could, I literally couldn't feel my feet. And he's like, Do you want to come to Sanctuary? And I'm like, no thanks. And he's like, no, no, it's new Sanctuary. So I went to see it and um, and played Ian. And it's it's rather nice. And I recorded a brief interview with Ian after our game, which I'm going to insert through the magic of editing here. Alright, so I'm here in where are we something in Ashfield? Yeah, we're at Sanctuary. The new, all new Sanctuary Gaming Center. New Sanctuary, in, a, in a frantic counter crossover. Yeah. We've, we've resurrected Frantic Gamers from the grave in which, into which uh, Ben has what? thrown it. we were actually dead. We still exist. <laughs> we still exist. Uh, yes, yeah, so um, I'm here with Ian Davis. Magnificent Ian. Uh, you know, uh, what is your moniker? It's not Dr. Dead Zone. That's handy. Dead Zone is life. Dead Zone is life. That's right. And it dead remains, life. Life. It remains life. life. It remains life because uh, we just just taking of war. Yeah. It make any sense. <laughs> so we're here masked up in Southern Ashford in the new Sanctuary Gaming Centre. Uh, Ian very kindly invited me over to... Play a real game, we are talking through masks, yeah, right now masked talking, up. all masked up. So we just played a game, 1995 uh, points, for my tournament that's been cancelled, with oh. much sadness, I know. I know. Well, we played the
4: full tournament rules anyway, which I think was frankly has to my ego, oh. which I'm very grateful <laughs> for. <laughs> so um, Ian, uh, tell, tell us about your armor, what did you bring? Oh, I brought my Abyssal, so a couple of hordes of molocs, mm-hmm. some succubi, some lower abyssals. My Abyssal champ, Mr. Reliable. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> not, not so much. <laughs> The Archfiend of the Abyss, who yeah. the, the less said the better, mm. he just went off on his own and mm. things happened. I uh, wanted two other bits and pieces. Yeah, and I bought some. Rest. So I've
2: been trying a, a Cybrand Brand uh, inspired Racking List because I've not managed to make a, a lower point or a 2000 point ish Racking List work. So I had five regiments of shock troops and then all the supports. All the support characters. Yeah, like loads of little guys. Broodmother, Mother Chrysler, Tangle. We had one Mutant Rat Fiend because I was desperate to field a Mutant Rat Fiend. Uh, and we had two Hackpaw troops. Uh, tunnel runners with sharpness, which is, you know, the only way to take tunnel runners. <laughs> and um other bits and pieces and stuff. But, uh, yeah, so we played Invade yep. in 1995. We also had the special character for my event, which uh, was pointless, frankly, wasn't it? <laughs> well, and we it both brought it. the Money Lender, mm. and they
4: were—they
2: um, didn't have a big impact on the game, did they? No, I might just think about that for the rescheduled event. Now this one's been cancelled. But the point of the Money Lender, for those who are listening, was that he has... Uh, drain life eight he's defense five with one attack that's rubbish but if he joins any melee they become vicious everything becomes vicious in that melee, which i did use and got one vicious (laughs) four (laughs) units (laughs) into the one combat um, so yeah, so Ian, yes, um, you kind of
4: threw away your archfiend. Which is a, a, I feel a trademark. Hey, the two times wh- I played you, you've done the same thing. Oh well, yeah, that's what he always does. Yeah, he, go, he goes off uh, ready to take a charge and then hit back afterwards, and it seems to die.
0: Mm. Yeah, he's
4: not as hard as I think he is. No, yeah, that, yeah, I do, the archfiend. He's only really good in
2: the flank, is what I find with him. Mm. And so um, so we, he, the left, your left side, your right side, my left kind of collapsed early on, and then um, it was very much kind of a wheel. So all your suchbow coming off for your left. Around a building, and all my stuff wasn't wheeling from from your right. And then in the trade off, you just you couldn't quite get the dice on the shot. So there was a couple of waivers that yeah. allowed me to bring a bunch of stuff in. There was a, there was a good fight in the middle though, because you had lots of units tripping over each other. Yeah, really no, I, to try I messed up really things. quite badly. <laughs> I was probably with lots and lots of units. I think I'm used to hordes yeah. and hordes you can manoeuvre quite well, but that many regiments—it's the first time I've played a regiment-based kind of a, a really an MSU force, even though there's only 14 units. Mm. On, on uh, for a rat's kind of force, but I think it worked kind of worked okay. I managed to get chaffer I wanted in. I was mainly worried you had um what are they call not flame bearers, the uh torture souls, yeah, coming around the side. So I managed to defend against them running into stuff I did mess up a couple of times. So you got um some lower resters into a couple of flanks that I missed,
4: but there was enough terrain. We kind of overloaded terrain, thinking oh, it was all right. I, it, was, it, it wasn't too busy, mm. it, wasn't, it was it it meant there was a lot of hindrance yeah. in that middle there yeah yeah. so so for people for frantic gamers fans uh, which <laughs> I want. one.
2: sorry the podcast is on hiatus while Ben goes up and beats a big shot in the city yeah we'll call but, it that <laughs> so what have, what have you been up to um, in terms of well, gaming Well, uh, lockdown and all that
4: kind of not, stuff my club in Nottingham has uh, been, been gaming for about a month and a half now right. so mm-hmm. I've been doing all sorts of things mean, we do mostly board gaming mm-hmm. but I've been playing uh, lots of Legion cool. I've been up to Sanctuary uh, about a month ago as well yeah. Um, and they're going to start running regular tournaments for Legion, so I'm really, cool. I'm really enjoying building my droid army. They're looking looking pretty nice, and I'm pretty proud of them. Playing a bit of bolt action. We're, we're doing All some right. historical gaming at the club as well. A little, uh, Blood Red Skies. That's the airplane game you told me about before? Yeah, plane game. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, it's nice. Cool. Dogfighting. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. Um, and besides that, lots and lots of board games. So Undaunted Normandy has been uh, a new one that we've been playing. I'm really excited that. Um, cool. I've just picked up Cairn. Which, uh, Not board game that. fans. Oh, really? Because uh, Shut Up and Sit Down just did a. Big review of that, so it's been sold out everywhere for the last two months. No, okay. everyone wanted to buy it. Twice. <laughs> so my copy's only The just buying online. power of a real podcast. Yeah, yeah. I get I got uh, myself, a myself copy of Secret Hitler, which has been a club favourite game. Secret <laughs> Hitler. Yeah. is oh, so that like it's like code names? A little bit like. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's a social deduction game. So hidden oh, rolls.
2: Right, yeah, yeah, so yeah, similar, yeah,
4: So you have five or more players. Uh, there's a couple of fascists and one person is Hitler, mm. and you're, you're playing policies in, and whether it's fascist or liberal policies. Mm played and uh, you're, you're trying to keep your secret role hidden and the idea for Hitler is to get himself elected chancellor <laughs> after a certain amount of fascist policies are in and the liberals are trying to get lots of their own policies in or shoot Hitler amazing it's like playing modern-day America it's really <laughs> you it well it's funny you say that the <laughs> makers of the game when Trump got elected sent a copy of it to every member of Congress no!
2: Yeah, yeah. That's improved. Somewhat. That's amazing. Yeah, so um, it's quite, let's talk about Sanctuary as well, because those uh, people who might have noticed uh, the coverage of UK Masters last year was at the old Sanctuary, which is in a very dilapidated church, which used to be nice. The, the icebox. It was absolutely <laughs> freezing. I nearly lost my fingers. Yeah, It was that, and it was really, there was, you know, we talked a lot about how utterly pants that was, but The new sanctuary is a bit like a conference centre. It's actually
4: lovely. It's a a pretty modern office building. I think it used to be um, a job centre, but um, they've they've been putting a lot of work into. They've now got a lovely cafe at the front. You're greeted by uh, a nicely uh, made-up staff display, and and uh, there's uh, I think it's about 24 six-by-four tables.
2: Yeah.
4: Book tables in advance. The train will be on there, ready for you when you arrive. The UK Masters Committee are listening. Uh, It's George
2: now, or (laughs) whoever it is. Controlling that, it's definitely worth a look. It's nice and central. There's parking. You know, it's where the old sanctuary was, but it's yeah. it's it's got heating.
4: Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a modern building, so it has all the comforts. Um, okay. I, I compare it well to uh, the steam forged venue in, in Manchester, in Old Trafford, actually. Okay. For anyone who's been playing, I've seen here. of that. Wolf, it's look... where Woffcon's been held the past uh, couple of years. Uh, so we, very cool. You've problem. been doing a bit of. Um, Recording with Dr. Dead Zone, haven't you? Yeah, we are. we doing some uh, Dead Zone Pandemic recordings, just looking at some of the factions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to be back recording tomorrow night for the new Dead Zone update. Which Steve will be fully familiar with, of course. I oh, love a, a Mantic fan.
2: I, I have, <laughs> I am a Mantic fan. Mantic is the only games I play, but it's only Kings of War that I play. <laughs> I do have a box of Enforcers, which I was uh, a freebie from Franticon two years ago. Sure. But I've never <laughs> yeah, so, um, But I will get round to it when I finish painting something at some point, I'm sure. And uh, you've promised to show me the game, beat me in the game, since I've beaten you now. I would love to beat <laughs> you. Said a little bit too much, right? <laughs> <laughs> you'll no, still you... enjoy it. I guarantee it. <laughs> Look, this is you just like this is how the game works. You've lost. Yeah. I'm mean, like I just have to believe you because I don't know. Cool. Now, yeah, I really appreciate the game, and uh, I need, it's, it's getting hideously late. I'm yep. going to try but I really appreciate the time. Okay, and I will see you again
1: soon. Nice to see, you, Steve. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Oh, I love that interview, Steve. That was great.
2: <laughs> Wasn't it brilliant?
1: Fascinating. Ian is probably my favourite member of the Deceased uh, Frantic Gamers podcast.
2: I, Is he? I, he's my least favourite of them. Really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's down the bottom, bless him. No, no, he's good. He, he keeps insisting that I play Dead Zone. And I do have some Dead Zone miniatures, which at some point I am going to paint, and not just for Kings of War, like I'm painting them at the minute. Apparently it's quite a good game, Rob. Have you heard that?
1: Uh, well, I've heard it's got the the best person in charge of the rules committee and in charge of future development of Dead Zone
2: well uh, Martin or <laughs> <laughs> anyway moving swiftly onwards it's, it's been a very busy time at Mantic despite the fact you're not allowed to touch people or go near anyone so tell us <laughs> what is going
1: on that, that's just me personally <laughs> after that incident <laughs> that's
2: the restraining order
1: yeah yeah that's why we couldn't have any open days anymore <laughs>
2: Oh dear, it's going well. What's uh, so what? Uh, what's going on behind the fabled golden doors at Mantic's towering HQ? Tell us what's on your what's on your docket, as Jeremy DeVar would say.
1: Wow. So yeah. So we obviously, like you say, we we've been busy. I mean, a lot of us have been working from home a lot this year, so that's been odd. But we have been going into the office for like regular big meetings and things. And obviously, as you know, we've had quite a lot going on. We've we've recently announced Armada, which you had. Matt Gilbert on the other week to talk about, and that's kind of ongoing. So I'm still writing all the blogs and stuff for that. And then from Kings of War wise, the most recent thing is we've just today, actually, as we're talking, Halpie's Rift has started shipping along with the new two player set featuring the Goblins and the Rakin. Uh, and then the rest of the Goblin releases are later this month. So that's kind of what we've been on in the kind of immediate term. And then we're kind of constantly in the background planning lots of wonderful secret things for kings of war and hopefully a bit like we did the uh, the virtual open day earlier this year in may we're hopefully going to have a virtual open day in november this time when we'll have some more kind of uh, reveals for what's coming up for kings of war in 2021 which will hopefully be better than 2022 2020 rather not 20 god i'm already skipping ahead to 2022
2: you <laughs> it was a terrible year we don't want to be
1: there <laughs> i've written off 2021 already so let's hope for 2022.
2: So let's start with Healthy's riff. How's it been from your side? So you know, obviously the book, as he's told us, kind of pretty endlessly, has had heavy input from Matt James. It's it's his baby, uh, and the rules committee. But there's there's a huge amount of fluff in the book, right? Um, you know, been put into. It. So what's been what's been your part of that input? Yes.
1: Yeah, so I guess fluff-wise, so I I was involved with some of the. I started to get involved with some of the fluff for Kings of War back for Edge of the Abyss, uh, which was that campaign, but we did a while back now uh, and then since then kind of i'll often chat with matt gilbert about where well obviously matt gilbert's got a kind of grand plan for where he thinks uh, the kings of World universe is going but we we kind of one of ronnie's things is that we want it to be like a living world where stuff changes so it's not always it's kind of in this you know two minutes to midnight or whatever you know, there is always like a change. So races will rise and fall and they'll become more powerful. So uh, myself and Matt often have chats about that, about what's going to happen in the world. And then for, so this one, Matt had like a grand story about what was going to happen, like with the rift underneath the Halpy Mountains. So obviously that was going to erupt and uh, the abyssal dwarfs were going to kind of try and take over and get hold of that. Uh, and then so that was written by Mark Latham the kind of the, the the big background but then there was lots of like little gaps where I could get involved to fill in some of the characters so some of the returning characters that were introduced in Edge of the Abyss um, I got to write some new background for that and also which was really exciting I got to write um like the big kind of section which is about what a Ratkin layer is like which was cool
2: that is super cool and you know I'm, I'm really interested in in, in the ratkin law and I think Michael Piercy I think is writing a book for wing Hussar about ratkin law as well right
1: I don't I don't know
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so anyway Michael Piercy is writing a book about the ratkin lore. oh that's good yeah I think I mean from from our point of view it, it's really really tough when it comes to the ratkin because obviously a lot of people know Skaven, and Skaven are so... They're so full of character, and it's really, really hard. To, I think up, in, up until recently, really, it's really hard to distinguish Ratkin from Skaven, I guess, for some people. So what we what we want to do, and which we've started to try and do for this one, is, is hopefully to start move the Ratkin into our own direction and to make them a bit more unique and a bit more kind of Mantix IP. So you'll see... In the kind of Halpy's Rift, there's a lot more kind of connections with the Abyss, for example. That actually, since leaving the Abyssal Dwarfs, they've become kind of mildly obsessed uh, with the Abyss, and that's kind of the angle we want to to push them in, probably, rather than kind of the, you know, the, the, necessarily the Plague and, and stuff like that. I guess.
2: Right, which make, makes a lot of sense in, in terms of the Blight and stuff like that. Alex, were you a were you a ra- were you a Skaven sc- 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 player in Warhammer, Alex?
3: I. Well, I started my Skaven collection as just as I was like, I stopped playing Warhammer in like seventh edition. And so I started collecting it. I played lizards for quite a while and then moved on to rats, but then never actually assembled it for, for fantasy. So I just, and we, we stopped playing right at the tail end of seventh edition. And I kind of didn't pick any wargaming back up until I think just before like the, just before Uncharted Empires came out in second edition, like the year before. So I didn't actually assemble and paint my Skaven until I started playing Kings of War. So for me, I mean, I I know I played Warhammer
2: four times as I've said previously in the, in the 80s, and then but even so, I'm aware of of the Skaven law. So I I I think you're right, Rob. I think it's a hell of a challenge, isn't it, to
1: differentiate. So mm. the, the
2: the main there's all that plague stuff and this, is it the Grey Council? or that's
1: The, the, the Council of Thirteen and oh, that yeah. kind of that stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Do, I
2: don't know anything about it, but I'm still kind of vaguely aware of it. So pulling it away from that is a real challenge. Is, is tying it into the Abyssal Dwarf Law part of that? Or are you going to move away from that that stuff and the kind of the more free rack kind of story to be picked up and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things. We, we started to talk a bit, uh, there's this little snippets in how, for those who've read it, there's little snippets in how is riff it, Halpies rift. God, that's hard to say, isn't it? Halpies rift about kind of the, the unshackled, as they call themselves now, so the free kind of racking about what they want to do. And I think, yeah, we definitely would like to pursue that and and see what they do and see kind of how they grow into their own thing, I guess, rather than being under the under the oppression of the abyssal dwarfs, now they've got the chance to flourish potentially and, and that could turn up some interesting things. And I think they'll become they well, they definitely will become a big player rather than a bit part. I guess within the story of Panathor. Well,
3: I think with like third edition and Uncharted Empires, like there's a lot more ratkin fluff now. Like before, they were just like in second edition, it was just kind of like here's an army that you can use with a mm-hmm. little bit of a little bit of fluff tying them into the Abyssal dwarves. But now it's like there's a lore around the army, and then there's that kind of you know, the difference between Ratkin slaves and Ratkin kind of like free dwarves and Imperial dwarves. So there's a little more character to the world and there's, there's depth to the army that is, you know, Mantic's own. It's not just, here's something to use miniatures. It's like, here's a really cool idea and a concept that we can build around and from.
1: Yeah. And And like that kind of link with the, with the Abyss, Um, for example, if you look at the new Warlock model that's in the two player set, the, the Warlocks now because they're trying to delve into like the magic of the abyss they actually start to get slightly mutated um and it talks about sometimes their their fear will take on like a red tinge or they might accidentally kind of mutate uh one of their arms into like a tentacle because they don't really know what they're doing and the more they keep touching the the magic of the abyss the more the closer they become to that so i think all that kind of stuff will be really really interesting and and like you mentioned, Steve, you've got that mutant fiend, and I think you can definitely see some elements of the abyss in that as well. So um, yeah, that's really interesting. Actually, the way, the way, hopefully, we're going to try and push them.
2: And a little birdie's told me we're getting a. I might not be allowed to talk to you about this, but I've heard on the grapevine we might be getting a demon spawn model coming up soon. Is that is that is that right?
1: You'll ha- well, I'd have to shoot that bird that told you. Uh, <laughs>
2: Do you want me to cut this out of the interview?
1: No, 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 that's fine. Um, That's absolutely fine. You can keep that in, Steve. But uh, let's just say when we find the bird, the bird will have to be killed.
2: Well, his name was Martin. wasn't really.
0: (laughs) I have Um, my sources. People people talk to me. I'm a
2: very sociable person.
1: (laughs) I think we, I think, uh, yeah, hopefully we might have some more stuff on that. Like I said about that virtual open day, we might be revealing some of those things that are coming out uh, next year but the idea is is that we with the Ratkin because the Ratkin army is going to get a full release so obviously there's a little bit of a tease in uh, in the War of the Holds which is the two player set and the next year we've got the full um, army release and actually the the kind of ambition is hopefully we'll get every single unit entry apart from maybe some mounted heroes will be available
3: so is the idea to kind of Move away from directly using um, the dead zone miniatures like the Veermen, and like try to create a more Kings of War related unit for each of those like the the nightmares and night night terror.
1: So some some of them like the nightmares and the night terrors actually when you look at those you know when they're armed with drills and things they don't look yep. too far off uh, right. fancy anyway. So I think those ones the night terror as well is very similar. I think it was more for like, particularly for the core troops I think we were mm-hmm. struggling with those as, as Steve will know from when he tried to turn his vehement into Ratkin 4,000 points
2: Rob 4,000 <laughs> points
1: <laughs> I don't envy you that sort of thing and I think once you've got the core troops actually things like nightmares and, and stuff aren't too bad but it's more the kind of things like hack paws trying to get something for those um, but yeah we've been having a lot of fun actually with the Ratkin stuff and there's some really interesting stuff coming out for that next year very exciting very cool.
2: So a lot of the Halpies Rift story focuses around uh, Dravik Dalkin, right? Yes. So he's uh, he's burrowing off, he's he's causing havoc. I think he's just got a height complex. I think he's uh, trying to make up for something with his big golem. You know, you really see someone with like a big sports car and it's all like yeah. a big muscle car. I think Dravik Dalkin, is, that's with his big, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he's just uh, he's acting out a little bit and uh, ruining everyone's lives.
1: Yeah, I really like Dravak Dal actually, because I just think of him as this kind of, like, slightly impetuous, moody, <laughs> selfish, kind of, like, petulant uh, Ironcaster, who...
2: Is this another character it... made in your image? Is that what... Uh...
1: <laughs> this, this is the problem, isn't it? Like, I... Sometimes I read stuff that I've written, I think, God, all these characters are so tragic, and I think, bloody hell, what's that say about me? But, um, yeah, I, I actually really like Dravak, because he's kind of... He, he's got all these delusions of grandeur. And he is possibly quite powerful, but at the same time, he's just so just wrapped up in his own importance that he didn't really <laughs> realise what he's doing, I don't think.
2: Yeah. And he's a, so he's called him. there's a, there's a, a quirky new goblin hero, which I feel we kind of have to. So th- I, did you write that goblin hero as well? Did you come yeah. up with this?
1: So, so group, group long nail was one of the ones that I came up with. And again, that was kind of, that was quite good because I got to, kind of input when we were doing the miniature for that one as well so that's why she's in this kind of uh quite funny uh, yeah yeah because we thought that would be the the original thing is that she doesn't really know what she's doing so she's just hoping for the best and shoving the the gauntlets forward but um yeah so we we knew kind of at that point that war in the holds was going to have ratkin and goblins in so we wanted to make sure that the Potentially, she grew up, will be a, kind of a key player in the story of what happens at Halpies Rift. Uh, so I won't spoil it too much. But, yeah, obviously, she finds these gauntlets, which potentially will become quite a key part in what happens. And, and kind of we'll see where that goes with the story. So
2: in terms of that story, do will players of the game have the opportunity to input? Because obviously, you haven't been able to run the campaign uh, like you would have done with um, you know, uh, uh, the Abyss campaign. hmm um, in the way that you wanted to so i assume the original intent was to kind of a similar storyline influencing kind of games across the world kind of thing is there any any way we're going to be able to get players involved in how that storyline develops
1: yes 100 percent. so we, we, it won't be this obviously it couldn't have been this year but i think uh if if and when the world returns to normal we'll do something so ideally let's say easter time next year we can do something that'd be great i think you know people will have the book then and i don't think it really matters necessarily if you have it alongside the book or, or near the book but um yeah i think and even if you know if worse comes to the worst and we and we can only do it on universal battle or something like that i definitely think we'll do it because you know we really want people to feel like they're involved in from in what happens in the story and, and kind of the, the future of kings of war i guess you know so if you're if you really want the Ratkin to win, then you need to get playing and make sure that they win. But, yeah, I think the intention definitely is that people will get involved and, and shape what happens.
3: I was going to say, I think just having this, the Living Legends like as part of the game and part of the story, it just helps build that the attachment to the, the growing lore and helps just kind of make it a little more engaged with everything keep keeping everything kind of engaged with itself you have the game and then you have all this new these new stories coming and you can take part in that which i think is great
1: yeah i i agree i mean i think it's interesting actually that you sometimes what drives you to do an entire army is that one model and now whether that's a centerpiece one which is like the big monster that you might have or it could be a character and you get so kind of caught up in that character's story you're like well actually i'm going to do a, a, a kind of an army based on that so um, I think some people really liked kind of Bannock, Colearm, the the kind of free dwarf, uh, and he comes back in this one as well. And I've seen a few people even make miniatures of how they think Bannock and and Kragoth will look. So, and that's been really cool actually to see that because we we kind of write these things and we're like, oh, I hope people enjoy this, but that's really nice to think that people do enjoy it and they're like. And also, what's interesting is when we get suggestions to wing to Sar. And they're like, oh, we want to carry on the story of this character that you introduced here. And we're like, OK, well, that's fine. You can do a bit with that one. And which has been really good. And it shows that actually, yeah, like you say, these people get attached to characters and want to see what happens to them.
3: Yeah, the world just keeps continuing to grow and deepen, which is awesome.
2: Yeah, I've been saying that kind of what Kings of War Law lacks is it, it lacks those... Um, like big, big nasties, you know, the, the mm. ones that kind of the, the whole world pivots around because they've been kind of kept out of the books so far. And you just get these snippets in the in the in the rule books and actually having those larger than life characters, the Nomagoroks of this world, you mm. know, that people really love, like love um, and want to see more. of, I think it is really great, uh, really a step in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I really like that the, because Nomagorok is back in this one as well. And I really like that relationship that he has. I think that's uh, that's really funny. uh, So yeah, some of those will keep coming back, and and we'll keep diving into their story as well and see what happens to them.
2: And so we've been remiss in we're talking about Helpy's Rift, and we focused pretty heavily on the fluff. Obviously, there is uh, some small updates to the game in there, which there's been a you know people have noticed, I guess, a little bit. But
1: (laughs) a reasonable reaction as usual.
2: Usual the usual standard positive spirit that Kings of War fanatics takes to any changes to their game. But I have to ask, you know, did you specifically ask for Wraiths to be nerfed solely to upset Tom Annis? And if not, why not?
1: You know, that was the number one goal.
2: I feel so. I feel so. It's important to
1: keep him on his toes. I mean, all the rules changes are based on who we can annoy the most.
2: Absolutely. That's how I. That's how I live my life. <laughs> Frankly, them easy mode players.
1: Anyway, I'm
3: shaking a fist through the internet at you, Steve. <laughs>
2: You're a ratkin player at heart. I still think of you as... You've just been playing with the undead because, you know... Yeah. You're like... you flirted away. You've had a, a summer romance. That's what's happened.
3: It, it was fun playing with 2,400 points against everyone's 2,300. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's exactly right. Now you're back on the proper army. The furry army. Yep. Get back in there. And not furry, that kind of furry. That's odd. Cool. <laughs> that
1: would be, yeah. be, <laughs> be an interesting army, that one.
2: Everyone knows <laughs> that's herd
1: you,
3: you play what you want. Yeah. So that's, my, that's my other <laughs> army, actually. Herd is my... <laughs>
2: yeah anyone playing heard we know what you're doing anyway oh, moving on
3: Keith Conroy <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um, moving on from Halpies Rift the two-player starter is that out now as well Rob
1: uh, yeah that came out to, to where well, shipping from today so as we're talking on the Monday uh, is out today out this week
2: so tell us what what can players expect to find inside? If they haven't read you know seen your endless endless videos and uh, posts about it. Tell us now what can what can you find inside the new 2 Player Starter Set?
1: So this is this is obviously last year we released Shadows in the North, which was uh, Northern Alliance versus Nightstalkers, and that was to kind of commemorate the launch of the third edition. Uh, and then what we kind of wanted to do we wanted to see if actually we can have two alternate kind of starter sets alongside each other so war in the holds is based around roughly what's going on in halpy's rift so that's why they're releasing together and it's about so the story is is obviously the free dwarfs have now been pushed out of the halpy mountains by the abyssal dwarfs which has kind of left this power vacuum which goblins and ratkin have quite gleefully filled uh, and they're all under the mountains, kind of ha- having this battle to see who's going to take over. While obviously the abyssal dwarves are also fighting as well, so it's, 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 it's a bit chaotic under there. So that's the kind of storyline that's in this one. So it's yeah, you get hard plastic goblins, hard plastic Ratkin, plus some trolls and two new characters as well, which is uh, Grup Longnail, which is the the goblin whiz, and then you get Twitch Keeneer, which is the warlock in there plus a rule book as well because i guess you need to know the rules at some point
2: at some point yeah so is there a, yeah. is there a story element to the start so do you get a little bit of fluff in that booklet as well
1: yeah you do so in the in the in the booklet so dave simmons wrote that so that is kind of based on the stories of both twitch and group from Halpies rift and then with a little bit of the background about what's been going on in the Happy mountains and why these two forces have kind of clashed and and what's going to happen
2: cool is it like a starter scenario with it and all that kind of stuff
1: yeah that's right yeah so it's it's kind of the 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 two player start start sets are meant for you know really absolute beginners so if you've never really played kings of war this is a great place to start so you can kind of get it home put it on the dining room table bash the miniatures around and kind of just learn how to move how to shoot how to fight so there's you know we advise you what units to build and then from there you can kind of learn the basics and then before you know it you've got a 3000 point army of goblins and you feel on top of the world.
3: <laughs> I really like the idea that you guys are having two concurrent starter sets. Cause like, you know, it's kind of a nice, gives you the option. Like you get the, the rule book and then two armies that you can play with your friends. Now you can have something if you want to do Northern Alliance or Night Nightstalkers or goblins and rats. Like there's a, there's something for everyone, which I think is a really good way to do it.
1: Yeah. And it's quite unusual actually to have two evil armies as well. Now, I've, personally, I always feel that the goblins aren't really evil; they're a bit more misunderstood. I like to think of them as more neutral, but yeah, I think then that's that's been interesting as well. So it's quite, I think people really like the bad guys in some ways, uh, so that's been good. But yeah, well, I think if, you know if this does well, then you know who knows? We might do more two-player sets in the future with different armies in as well.
2: Yeah, I've just been thinking, Rob. In terms of like the Halpies Rift campaign and next Easter and stuff and the new Goblins, new Ratkin, if only there was two players who lived mm, about an hour and a half away from each other uh, come Easter next year who had massive Goblin and Ratkin all Mantic armies. Imagine, imagine that. Imagine,
1: imagine, imagine, imagine what those handsome fellows would be like on camera and how amusing how witty they would be and how little they would know the rules
2: <laughs> hey 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 speak for yourself there mate you know, <laughs> i qualified for masters you know i didn't play but uh... okay how
1: little one of them would certainly know the rules
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey one of them won a five thousand battle which was commemorated with five pages uh, of battle report <laughs> in the back of a book
1: do you know i haven't looked as well i mean i think win is a bit of an exaggeration the other opponent didn't move but um <laughs> i need to check that because at one point ronnie said he
2: changed it i haven't read it i've just uh no the page count i'm just uh, enjoying the fact that there's two pages two pages of rule changes five pages of battle report i think that's the appropriate balance isn't it
1: yeah i think that's about right
2: so anyway in terms of you you know in terms of you and kind of how you sit with the money how much influence do you have kind of over the direction that minis and rules because obviously you've had a heavy influence over the way that goblins have uh, progress in their fluff do you have any influence over kind of how they progress in kind of the rules and stuff like that as well or do you kind of leave be and 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 let the rules committee kind of have their wicked way
1: so so rules for kings of war i have zero involvement in uh i don't to be honest i don't know the game enough to get involved um, i do get more involved in things like dreadball and dead zone because I, I play those a lot more and also for my mind they're a bit simpler to comprehend. But in terms of the miniatures, then, yeah, I do kind of have more involvement in that now, which is great because so I rewrote kind of most of the fluff for third edition for the goblins and kind of this whole thing about them. St- more about them stealing things and about the wizards for example, not really knowing what they're doing, but just collecting up lots of things. So you'll see on the new wizards that they've kind of got loads of potions and scrolls around their belt. No idea what any of them do, but they just collect them because they think they give them magical powers. So all that kind of stuff has been really good. And yeah, actually for some, like the new mounted heroes, I was quite heavily involved in that one. So yeah, it, it depends on the on the project, and I, and I do speak to Matt Gilbert a lot and Dave you know we all kind of talk and we all we'll all review stuff and, and look at you know whether we like certain things and the ratkin as well was a little bit as well because obviously when I started writing that background about them becoming closest to the abyss some stuff changed on that one so we'd incorporate more of those things so it's it's a real collaborative collaborative effort um, when it comes to things like that but yeah the rules, no chance I'll leave that to Matt James and the RC
2: I do like the uh, idea that the most powerful goblin wizards aren't necessarily the best; they're just the, the luckiest—the one that didn't happen to pick up the wand of destruction by the wrong end.
1: 100%. They've survived the longest. Yeah, that is it. And you know, they're often—and that was a whole—that was a whole joke—is that the kind of the wizards are often not allowed in the communal living area. They're—they're they're told to live outside of there because they're just always going to explode. So if they don't explode, then it must mean they're quite good. So they're allowed to join the army. Um, but yeah, I think those kind of little touches are really nice, and I think that's something I I really want to draw out for the goblins to try and put our stamp on them. I guess a bit like the, the racking as well.
3: So it's kind it's kind of like when the miniatures. I think it's pointed out that like the goblins have this weird collection of armament as well, like in on the sprues. Like it's all just like from different armies. You get like baslayan, you know, shields and helmets and weird things because the goblins are just like we'll just take whatever we can find and then see if it's useful kind of
1: thing. Yeah, totally. And no, I, I always think. So I always think the goblins, and and this was a bit in the third edition, is that they, they'll kind of, they 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 can't really grow stuff because they just haven't got they haven't got the they're so nervous and twitchy all the time they just haven't got the capacity to do anything for a long time. So they'll kind of be a bit scatty. So they're like all their tunnels are all completely haphazard because they'll start digging one and then they'll get bored and just go okay let's just dig another one this direction. Um. So that means that yeah, what'll happen is they. When they need food or something, it'll get to the point where they're like, oh, my God, we've eaten all the food. And then they kind of rush out of their kind of layer, kind of sweep over a village or whatever, taking whatever they can find and then retreat back. So it's kind of almost like a natural disaster in some ways is they kind of come out, sweep around everywhere and then potentially sweep back. So I like that idea is that they'll just grab whatever they can because they're like, well, we might need this. We don't know why. We don't know why we need this, you know. Uh, abyssal dwarf helmet or this kind of uh, balefire catapult well let's take it because you just don't know it might come in handy one day so they're the ultimate kind of scavengers really
3: they're like hoarding ADD you know meth heads
1: running around yeah, the countryside That's that's yeah I know, yeah, that's totally what they are
2: I kind of feel like Alex is the orcs in Canada looking down on America as the goblins that's kind of uh, <laughs> how it is at the moment right
3: there's a lot of you know I love our American listeners <laughs> no, no,
2: yeah I wasn't talking about them specifically. Just, you know, th- th- those guys are great. All of them. Apart from that one guy. You know the one guy?
3: Not him. I hate that guy. Sorry. Yeah.
2: Oh, God. So let's move on to, let's talk, let's talk about Armada a little bit, because I'm, I'm unnecessarily excited about Armada, given that I've never played a boat game before.
1: That is the correct reaction.
2: <laughs> I'm not quite sure why I'm so excited. I just like the idea of boats. Um, <laughs> so it's been wildly successful, right, for a new launch? Was it, do you yeah, think I mean, it was just like the right product at the right time? Is just, uh, was it planned? Don't pretend it's planned. <laughs> I, know,
1: I, think, I think, I think you are right. It was kind of, it, it was kind of, obviously we look and, and we talk about, we started talking about Armada last year and we were looking at what we wanted to do as our kind of to anniversary third edition. And it was like, well, where do we think there's a potential gap in the market? Which sounds really boring and businessy, but um, it was like, well, actually the, you know, there hasn't been a fantasy boat game for a while So we started we obviously started working on it, nervously expecting someone else to do one as we're doing that. But, yeah, I just think it's real. It's it's hit a real sweet spot. Um, And, yeah, like, you know, we're almost sold out of the initial allocation of what we can produce, which is great. A bit nervous for the resin team, but I'm sure they'll be fine, which has been really good. And the reaction to all the boats and stuff has been fantastic. And and Matt Gilbert's already hard at work on, on some more factions as well for the next year.
2: Mm, mm, any, any hints there about, about what, what they're going to be
0: uh, I, well I
1: think I mean I think you can probably guess within the kind of fluff of who's quite good at sailing
2: I guess so 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 tw-
1: sails rhymes with scales <laughs> <I
0: guess. laughs>
2: as long as you get lizards, so so fine you can have some salamanders but you need to that kin otherwise I'm going to have a major tantrum literally corsairs come on
3: guys
1: well we'll see they're too, busy. they're too busy being emo elves to
3: uh <laughs> no. elves do have you know, sea guard so they, may, they might have boats
2: <laughs> I should think they do they're called sea guard come on what are they doing yeah. with their
3: lives they just they guard the coast they're they on the, sea. the they're they on shore with bows and spears <laughs> I actually for read the fluff of
2: twilight kin most of the fluff of twilight kin is talking about how they're always off sailing so they can't do any fighting that's why they have night stalkers Anyway, so how how are you spending your newfound wealth? I assume your clothes are now stitched, you know, from five and ten pound notes.
1: Well, I mean, obviously it all just goes straight into Ronnie's retirement fund.
2: Right, of course. Yeah, he he needs another garage.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm just, you know, in my cupboard under the stairs as normal.
2: (laughs) Will Master feed me today? (laughs) Please me pins.
1: (laughs) Very goblin-esque of you.
2: Speaking of which, Matt Gilbert said outright there won't be a goblin fleet because they're too busy building boats for the orcs. How can we correct, you know, this grotesque injustice?
1: That's a lie. <laughs> what because is it? Actually, it's not the orc fleet. I mean, we all secretly know this is the goblin fleet. The orcs don't know what they're doing. They're, they're too busy shouting and drinking rum to know what's going on. It's really, I mean, really, the goblins are the people, the puppet, the puppeteers. Uh, and the, the orcs, just because they shout out to get all the glory.
2: I and mean, really, if you're going to have a, a fleet focused on boarding other ships, you don't want to be the ones boarding the other ships, right? The orcs can do that. You'll just save yeah. the ships for them, right? Yeah, they're
1: basically the slaves.
2: <laughs> you're just sending them <laughs> Look, off. You go they fast. Love
1: it. I there, there was some early concepts, and I think Rob Jenks might have... Sh- I don't know if he shared this one, but there were some like more crazy goblin designs when we did it, which was just like... They'd been designed by the Bangits. They were just basically a huge rocket strapped to the back of a boat. Uh, which I thought was really fundamental <laughs> when that would do that.
2: Like but... be amazing. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: If it actually gets to you, it just does the most damage
3: ever. They can only go straight forward. <laughs> yeah, but they can go really <laughs> fast.
2: <laughs> oh, I'd do that. And I've been, I've been trying to think of a joke as hard as I can about rats and sinking ships, because rats surely there's a ratkin fleet in here somewhere. How can we make this happen immediately?
1: I think a Ratkin fleet would be really really cool if you did something a bit like you know like a uh, Moana when they have the big boat in that I don't know who sails it but they have this big kind of ramshackle boat and I kind of imagine that's kind of what they'd have they'd have these huge ramshackle kind of almost like siege towers kind of sailing along something like that I think that'd be cool uh, all powered by kind of rats and wheels as they kind of instead of uh, you know steam powered. Rat, power. rat, rat
3: powered every bike. boat has rats on it already so every every fleet is a rat can-
2: don't say that because then it won't make one no, that's fair a, a yeah. giant ratkin can- fleet
3: I do I do like the idea of the the rat powered steamship wheels
1: <laughs> that yeah make the- no because you could have like mutant rat beans in the yes. wheels like turning around oh mm-hmm. I
2: hope you're writing notes Rob or you know just just to send over to the uh, the creative I mean, well there. I think Matt won't listen to me yeah <laughs> That's what he said. That's weird. Yeah,
1: I know, exactly. I know my place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back in the
2: basement, master.
1: Come <laughs> back with a good idea.
2: <laughs> but Rob, some exciting news you haven't mentioned yet. Is you writing a book? You're writing a book for Wingsar?
1: Yeah, so they, for some reason, I managed to convince Bra- Vince and Brandon to let me do uh, a book, which is the story of uh, Groger, Groger Splittooth, who was introduced in Edge of the Abyss. So it's all about how he kind of becomes like this goblin of power and his kind of attempt to become like the Goblin King, who will eventually lead all the goblins to power and supremacy within Panathor. So I've been writing that almost all during lockdown, actually, which has been which has been quite a lot of fun. I
3: always liked that unit, uh, that unit in Flash of king's like Grogger's goons, it's like elite goblins, which I thought was an amazing concept.
1: Yeah, so this is out so obviously Edge of the Abyss has uh Grogger, he has that flash uh no vision in the cave, which is of him becoming king. So this story charts to him getting up to that cave, having that vision, and then like the next steps of how he puts the army together. Uh so this one is more of a bit like a almost like a vanguard novel in some ways, because it's about his small war band. It's like him, a troll, a bangit, uh, and a whiz and a more beast rider. So it's those kind of guys uh, going out uh, and trying to conjure up this army, basically. And along the way, he meets, like, uh, Maguire and Joss and, and some other characters as well from, kind of, uh, the Goblin lore. Very cool.
2: That is super cool. I think that's a, I think it's really... Have you written anything... Have you written, kind of, books before? Is this your first book, or...? So I've written
1: I've written nonfiction stuff before because my background is is in journalism. So I used to be a crime reporter. So, you know, kind of back in the day. So I've kind of written stuff like that, but never, never a full, never a full book. So it's been a, it's been a bit of a challenge, but I'd, I'd, I'd kind of been mapping it out in my head for about a year and then finally thought, right, well, I may as well actually crack on and do it. So it's kind of just like a origin story, kind of where he comes from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of an origin story and hopefully tease it up for some stuff. So this is why, you know, when we're talking about working with Matt and what happens in the future, um, there's some there's some teeing up in this book, potentially for some face offs that Grogger might have in the future with with other characters as well. And also, I really want to expand. So Maguire and Joss are in this because I really like the idea of Maguire. But I always think he's had a bit short shrift when it comes to his backstory so this is all about uh, a bit more about Maguire and, and that actually he's gone completely insane because he's too old. Basically he's, he's a very old goblin because you know he's been around in, in the law for ages. So this is the fact that he's gone a bit crackers and, and doesn't really know what's going on. So he's been quite a fun character to write as well.
3: Goblins <laughs> aren't supposed to live for very long with their picture. <laughs> well,
1: no, that's exactly. And that's exactly what it is. You know, he talks about all the time, like I'm not supposed to live this long. Um, but it's all to do with this his magical prod which he has in the game that's weirdly given him kind of long life uh, and you know he probably does try and kill himself but he he never gets around to it because he's convinced that if he kills himself that Joss will be upset.
0: Oh,
3: I love this. It's awesome. You get the building, the character. Because, like a lot of time, lots of times like goblins are they don't have as much person like they have the personality of like mischievousness and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but like they don't have like those deep. You don't. You don't often get. They don't often have those deep emotional kind of motivations ascribed to them. It's more just like they're doing mischievous bad things and being a pain in the ass and kind of funny. So I think that's a really cool way to like add depth to the army.
1: Yeah. So it's all. It's kind of told from their point of view and it's about how how what they do and and kind of and it's particularly Grogger is like well, he, I mean he is quite a nasty character. So it's a bit of a weird when he's doing some awful stuff and you're like, yeah, I kind of want him still to to win this so um yeah that'd be interesting actually to see if people end, end up rooting for the bad guys i guess
3: anti-hero yeah yeah yeah,
2: yeah it reminds me um, a little bit there was a book called grunts by mary i can't remember who it's by so i'm going to quickly google it
3: uh
2: mary gentle uh, grunts by mary gentle uh, which is a book i read as a teenager and i loved because it was it's about orcs as it happens rather than goblins mm. but they are the antiheroes, and they do literally appalling things throughout the entire book, but you completely want them to win the whole yeah. way through. And I can see that kind of, you know, you can really get behind a proper good villain. That's kind of hilariously like evil,
3: right? Yeah. If you can yeah. understand the motivation, like where they're coming from and what, the, like what they're, if you under you can kind of like get a little bit of empathy, even though they're, you know, evil.
1: Yeah. And with Groker, he thinks he kind of has always thought he should be in charge. So when he has the vision of him becoming king, he's like, yeah, this is totally right. You, let's, how can I do this? So that's kind of then what kind of triggers him then to, to kind of go on and do it.
2: Amazing. Well, all the best. How far through are you?
1: About halfway.
2: Amazing. So, and are you corresponding with, with, is it Brandon as an editor as you're going through to kind of get his feedback? Or are you just doing the whole thing and saying, I
1: pay your bills, <laughs> take it? I'm going to do the whole thing and then go, here you go. <laughs> that makes sense makes sense of this absolute nonsense
3: <laughs> it's all
1: handwritten right yeah like... <laughs> yeah yeah in, uh, really in, green ink, in green ink like a goblin.
2: it's <laughs> a limited run of three handwritten scripts all all of which are different <laughs> that's yeah it. yours for 499 brilliant well i can't wait for it that's fantastic news i'm i'm really excited by the range of fiction that's coming out
1: yeah it's been great to see it it's great to see it grow and obviously must me and matt see a lot of ideas from from brandon and vince and, and some of the you know the people that are out there coming up with these ideas. It, it's fantastic. So it's um, yeah. It's, I think like we were talking about adding to the law. all oh, this is great and adds loads to the law. So it's fantastic.
2: Exactly right. It's kind of a testament as well to um, how bought in to the world people are that they are creating their own fiction for it. You know, I, I people. You know, I mentioned Michael Pearce earlier, but I know that he he was writing a book as fan fiction essentially for Kings of War because he liked it so much. And some of that stuff being picked up really speaks to how much people want the world to be a success and to, and to build and not get overwhelmed. And I think, you know, the time is well past that people are ready to move on from Warhammer. Some people aren't. I'm looking at you, Jake Chirapica. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it is time. It is time to move on and find a different yes. world. And I kind of feel that the the bones that were there in second edition are really being fleshed out. Um, not always, you know, uh, I think it, it fits and starts, but definitely in the right direction.
1: Yeah, and it's and it, and, you know, law is is super tough because the, it takes a long time to do it. And, you know, and you you saw third edition, it's it's absolutely rammed with it. But people are always quite hungry for more, and this is like, oh my goodness, okay, well, you know, there's only, we're only a small team, we can only kind of look at so many ideas and and kind of a, you know, because we get a lot of questions from the authors. You know, it's like, oh, do can dwarfs see in the dark or what is, uh, you know, how would a goblin speak, <laughs> and it, things like this, and it's like, oh my goodness, okay, just well. make it
3: up. <laughs> yes. I don't know. They hit, they hit on a four plus. That's all. They
1: do. <laughs> uh, but it is like stuff like that. It's like, well, how do you, how do you transfer what they do in the game to, to the law? So, some of it's a bit wishy washy, obviously, but um, yeah, we do, we do get all these questions all the time, and uh, and it's like, oh my goodness, okay, well, some of it we haven't thought of, or obviously, Matt Gilbert has, he, he kind of has this huge, grand. Plan of everything that goes on, so he does know a lot of it sometimes. Uh, but yeah, it's it's, it's really interesting t- to see what what has been sparked in the imaginations of people out there.
3: And it and it, may, it might be a good tie in next year's uh, for next year's campaign or Clash of Kings to have Grogger maybe come back. Well, that,
1: I must admit the idea originally, uh, but it shows how tardy I was at writing, was that the book would have launched alongside the new two players <laughs> but. <laughs> I didn't quite get round to it. I had quite a busy, quite a busy 2019. So, um, yeah, no, it will be kind of next year. And I think and hopefully, you know, if we go down, if we go down well, I'd like to I'd like to continue the story of Groger and maybe come back in in the rules as well.
2: So as we uh, wrap up the show, Rob, is there anyone you want to shout out in the American
1: style? Uh, what, like my wife and kids? It's like we're a game show. <laughs>
2: thank you, God, for putting me in this place.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd just like to thank my wife, Heather, for putting up with me. Uh, my children, actually, my eight year old beat me at Dead Zone the other day, so I'm not going to shout out him. But uh, no, I don't think, just thanks, obviously, for all those goblin players out there who have realised that they are the best and greatest army there is. And no thanks to Matt James, who continues to think that Orcs are superior,
2: yeah, and continues to nerf the Winget. I'm hoping a couple more nerfs on the way. If I much.
3: think we, after after four more cockpacks, we might get to the point where Wingets are balanced, but at this rate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, they've got they've got a model out. You know, they need to shift that stock. That's what they need to do. Three Wingets in every army, right? Yeah,
3: at well, least if they haven't sold them all by now.
1: We should do, oh we should do like a living legend Winget.
3: Yeah, as well. we should do <laughs> <figure> four. <Yeah>. Should <laughs> four? Four you have mincer units, why not have wing it squadrons, right? So you just have
2: yeah. <gasps> That's a great idea. So you had like when you have Dracons in a horde or you have a dragon yeah. rider on his own, rather than one yeah. wing it, you yeah. have like a Mike what do they call them? What's the big Yeah what's the big end war engines that you can have one of Mincer
3: mobs? Like Mincer Wing-It yeah, mobs. Yeah. Yeah. Wing yeah. It mobs. Yeah, wing, wing just, it squadrons and just have it like, you know, 12 blast D6 shots, not hitting on threes. <laughs> It'd be
1: great. And they can spot up to six models, obviously, because there's six, yeah. six That's how it works. Mm-hmm. I don't see a problem with that. They're <laughs> legendary. They, they,
3: they've they, all Since got, they're coming uh, from above, they could just do like a triple attacks, you know, chosen attack once once per game, is like dive bombs. So just <laughs> ram into a unit, get triple attacks from any facing.
1: This, can I promote you to the RC, Alex? You may. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: okay. <laughs> I'm just texting Matt James. Hang on a minute. Don't listen to anything. Right, it's fine.
1: All
3: good.
2: How about yourself, Alex? Any any, any shouts to make?
3: Uh, I just want to say, you know, it's been away a little bit, but it's always great to be on Counter and shout out to the Ontario Kings of War crew. We've been... Still been staying as active as possible throughout this lockdown, which is awesome. Keeping everyone tapped into the game with UB tournaments and just general socialization on Facebook and what and Discord. So I think you know our community, you know locally and you know worldwide, I think is doing a great job staying together through this, which is awesome. So shout out to everyone. Yeah, I definitely. guess.
2: I'd like to specifically shout out anyone who was responding to people whinging on Kings of War fanatics by posting memes. Because I feel that's the most positive thing to do. And uh, oh, there was a really funny bit where someone was complaining about having to pay for Easy Army, and, and somebody started a GoFundMe to
0: huh.
2: to get them uh, Easy Army subscription. Uh, and, uh, anyway,
3: well, twenty dollars a year is a steep price to pay. That is. That is very sarcastic. I
2: think that might be cyberbullying, though. So uh but you can't, can't be ashamed of yourself. That's all I can say.
3: For the price of a coffee a month, you too can make your own army lists.
2: Damn paywalls. Anyway, uh, that's gonna do it for tonight. And until next time, keep countercharging.
0: Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15.com.
2: Let, let's let, let let's take them in order I suppose let's start with Halpy's wrists Halpy's wrists Halpy's wrists